What's up, Southwest Virginia? Welcome back to Beats, Brews, and Buddies. My name is Travis Schmidt. This is Jeremy Price. Today on our beat, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to talk about playing the blues, switching from guitar to bass, and making a livelihood as a musician with our buddy, JoJo Stockton. Hey, everybody's clapping. Everybody clapping. Yeah. Jojo, how you doing, buddy? I'm in good, man. Long time no see. It has been a long time, hasn't it? Yeah. It's like been, what, four or five years? I mean, I've seen you around town, but at least it's been been a minute. Played a gig together. It was like four or five years. No doubt. Fun times. What are we drinking today there, Jeremy Price? We're drinking Pinnacle Vodka. We're having a vodka tonic solution. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't know if you know this, but Pinnacle Vodka is distilled five times. For a smooth, clean finish. If you want to know more, you can go to PinnacleVodka.com, DrinkSmart.com. But I'm here to tell you that it's great with lemonade. (laughs) (laughs) You you just can't make that stuff up, ladies and gentlemen. No, It just comes straight, literally, from the bottle. All right. (laughs) So JoJo is a Franklin County native. Hold on. Let's get some clinks. Oh, we should clink. Sorry. I'm sorry. Cheers. 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 Right in my budget. This is free, free vodka. Is free what vodka. That's what right? I call it. Free ninety five. Mm-hmm. I'm not paying you as a member. I'm paying you with your food and drink. JoJo Stockton is a Franklin County native who has opened for several Grammy nominated artists such as Corey. Is it Little Pop? Little Pop Ledet. Ledet Taz Brandon. Oh, I'm not going to pronounce this name. Niederreier. Thank you. Yeah. And Dilbert McClinton, a true music enthusiast. JoJo enjoys all genres, but holds the blues near and dear to his heart. Thanks to his father's early exposure to the blues guitar, JoJo has written, recorded, and performed his originals all throughout the region with tremendous success. Currently a Roanoke resident, you can find JoJo always downtown playing for the local scene with his award-winning band, Soul Acoustic. And this is in quotes, ladies and gentlemen. JoJo Stockton still finds time to make it to the NRBS jams from time to time, which he loves. Nicknamed Roanoke's Mayor of Music, his bodies of work include two albums, Cookies and Ice Cream and Dreamin', both available on digital media. JoJo, thanks for coming, man. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Dude, so like first... I, first, I didn't know you're, that you're called the Mayor of... Mayor of Music. Mayor of Music, yes, and so I think it's extremely fitting. <laughs> I'd never well, heard my, it. my musician friends started calling me that, and so it just it kind of stuck. So. Yeah, you've been playing yeah. a long time around here, though. Yeah, and yeah. I'm not talking about your age. I'm just talking like you play a lot, a lot. Yes, you play yes. a lot. Yeah. And today on his release date, we'd have to say a friendly happy birthday to him. So today is thank you, <laughs> JoJo's birthday. We're not recording on his birthday, but. It, when you're hearing this, it's his it's birthday. It's his birthday. Send him a message. No, I'm kidding. No, <laughs> send me a go crazy. <laughs> send, me go viral. A, send me a dollar per year of, of life. I'll be turning, I'll be, I'm 50. Man. By the time y'all see this, I'm 50. Yo, you don't look I'm 50. I'm half a century. You don't look, 25 years younger. People I always can. be saying you don't look your age, and they might be right. You really, really don't. <laughs> Thank you. You really man. don't. I age on the inside is what I try to do. <laughs> yeah, man. Like a fine wine? That's it. <laughs> So Jojo, let's let's start with, you know, talk a little bit more about your history with this area. I mean, we are a run of podcast. Give us give us a oh, load. Definitely. With- um I didn't move here until maybe twenty five years ago. So obviously I grew up in Franklin County and my dad was a musician, his dad was a musician, my son is now a musician. <laughs> 
Um, he's probably going to be better than me. He plays saxophone, lead, bass. He reads. I don't read. Um, but when I grew up, I just hung around guys who knew how to play. They didn't know an E from an A, but they knew how to play. Mm. So I didn't go to school. I don't have Berkeley, Juilliard, none of that. Pause. Pause right there. We have not <laughs> talked about that. Like, oh, I don't, I don't want to take his whole podcast <laughs> and jump into that. <laughs> well, I mean, my God, that's that. I feel like that was the way to learn how to play music. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I wish I, I wish I could have, but I didn't have the means. I came from humble beginnings, which means we was broke as fuck. <laughs> um, <laughs> so basically, um, I started. I'm sure at my age, but I started like learning from cassette tapes, play, rewind, play, rewind. Um, like YouTube was a game changer. Yeah. Because all you had to do was click and drag. <laughs> I was like, I mean, um, but yeah, and just didn't know theory. And so, I mean, it's good parts and bad parts. You know, if I can only play with a sheet of music and then somebody changes the key and somebody does something different, um, you might be lost. If you got a good ear, you can always kind of land on your feet. Mm. Wise words, and I couldn't agree more. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah. you're you're one of, um, I would say, few guests that we've had that have just been taught by ear. And, and that was, I love that it was a, a family thing. Uh, and that just sitting around and, and watching yeah. and learning. I mean. Oh, God, my dad would play in the middle of the night, half the night. My mom would cry. Please, Alvin, please stop, please. But I mean, stop playing. Stop playing. <laughs> please stop. And that's all I ever heard growing up was guitar music. Mm-hmm. That, that's yeah. your that's your main instrument, right? Starting instrument. Yeah, yeah. I only switched the bass. Because it's out more of, fun. Out of, well, bass is really <laughs> fun. Um, out of necessity. My first professional gig, I guess the first time I got play, paid, I was playing with Jane Powell. She's a jazz singer. Mm. And, no, Jane. Um, yeah, and her bass player was phenomenal. Um, Bernie, Bernard Harrison, we call him Big Bernie. Rest in uh, peace. Rest in peace. Yeah. He was the best. He inspired me like you wouldn't believe, and probably every musician in the Valley that ever heard him. And when he passed, I was on lead guitar. He was on bass. David Ferguson was on keyboard. Sometimes it was Mike Randolph. And um, when he passed, we still had these gigs. And so you can't do keys and guitar and no bass. You have no bottom end. Yeah. So I was thrown into the base and then of all people that was Bernard's position so <laughs> I didn't know that I yeah. didn't know how that that transpired oh at, it, at was, all. it was it was ridiculous it was stressful um but knowing guitar I knew the changes and I knew hey I faked it I played the one and the five <laughs> boom 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 just like a country bass guy yeah and I mean it got me through it that's awesome like yeah what a cool story to, to tell because again, not trained and thrown right into the fire and having to adapt and instead of just giving up and it was moving on out. And yeah, those, uh, those shoes you had to fill, they, they're Yeti like footprints. Oh my God. Yeah. People don't, um, I don't think people there's, I don't think I can word it. Um, people don't understand just how good that guy was. Oh God. Yeah. And, I've done some work with Vic Wooten in some of his camps and, and mm-hmm. Vic would speak to me about Bernard. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Bernard, as he says it. Yeah. And, <laughs> and uh, like he had that gift. Well, I'm just going to say that. Otherwise it, I'm going to trip all over my words. Yeah, well, it's, it's crazy because um, 
he was playing for a, a band. Oh gosh, I forget the name in DC. They were a corporate band, and I drove him up there a couple times, and he just brought the best out in everybody around him. Mm. So like. When you got somebody like David Ferguson, who I think he's got more than 10 fingers. I never looked. But he does a solo. And then Bernard does a solo. And then they look at you. And I'm like. <laughs> uh, but that's why, that's why Jane liked me. She had other guitars that knew music and read music. But I had a feel. I had a feel for like the, I guess what the song's purpose was. Mm. And so even though I didn't know the theory uh, if, if I've solo behind somebody who's playing very fast, like I'm gonna play slow. <laughs> I'm, I'm not gonna kind of compete with you. Yeah, I'm I just would, gonna do me. I would dare to say for me, you are one of the most joyful players to watch. I, um, I love playing. I can't stop smiling when yeah, I play. I probably look like <laughs> yeah. an idiot. No, but I, I wouldn't call like, you an idiot, but <laughs> I call you smiley. But you know, yeah. like you, you definitely are are loving every bit of it. Yes, when you're up there, and that's. Uh, that was really cool for somebody who's younger and, and going through that process of grinding and trying to figure out how oh, to get duh. gigs and stuff like that. And I grinded, were, bro. And no, and I, we'll, we'll get to there. But like yeah. for me, you were you were somebody to look up to. Um, oh man, thank in, in that you. sense, thank so you. like no, thank you. So it was I, I remember playing a gig at the Moose Lodge, and I was like, why <laughs> why did they open up for us? You know, you guys are awesome. <laughs> so no, no kudos to you. So let's go back. Let's let's talk a little bit more about the your your blues roots. So, okay, yeah, yeah. I want to know more about that. Okay, okay. So, picture me as a young kid, um, following my dad around. I'm on his foottails. Um, I know nothing about guitar. I'll carry a broom around behind him and pretend like I'm a guitar player, because every kid wants to be like their dad. Yeah. Um, so he was my hero, um, but then he would play at people's houses. He would just go to their house. He would go to nip joints. Could I say nip joints? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, it's where you go into somebody's house and they sell you vodka by the glass. So you might get a shot. It might be $3 or whatever. Um, they had some dice. My dad would be playing music. He might win some money. He might slide me some money. I think I was rich. I probably had $4 in my pocket. <laughs> so basically juke joints and kind of grew up in that. And my dad wasn't getting paid. He was... He was probably play, playing for booze or, you know, free liquor or a couple bucks. But that's kind of the the scene I was in. Then did that what did you get out of that to to make you play blues? I mean, all we listened to was like Buddy Guy, Howlin' Wolf, Muddy Waters, like that's what we listened to. Mm. So it's kind of all I it's kind of all I knew and then when I got older and played in churches even the church music was kind of bluesy. Yeah, there's that kind. That certainly was. Yeah, like the gospel. Gospel was kind of bluesy to me. And so when, when church music started getting more contemporary, um, and no offense to nobody else, but like I couldn't feel it. It got so contemporary, it sounded like something on the radio, and I just couldn't. No. It didn't hit me here. No, I get that. No, so. I mean, th those roots that you you get when you're so young, and mm -hmm. they they, they just instill in you. Like I remember right. my parents taking me to, to a Dave Matthews concert and that was like oh, my first, awesome. first concert ever. And so like yeah. jam bands and being able to solo and being able to read a room and, and play different genres of music is, is my shtick because of that, because they don't, they're, they're, they're just not one sound in my opinion. They've right. got a multiple sound. And so like, right. I, 
you know, we we learn a lot about a person from their roots. So yeah, well, I, when I grew into just once I loved guitar, I loved all guitar. So anything with a guitar in it, like I loved Roy Clark from Hee Haw. I, I used to watch Hee Haw people jumping up in the cornfield, and then my grandma used to listen to um, on my dad's side um, bluegrass. So like the first guitar song I learned was Wildwood Flower which is a bluegrass song. That's a heck of a tune. And so a lot of people don't know this, so this is probably tuned in C standard tune, but my dad played in what they call Vassalpool, which is like an open E tuning, and that's how I learned initially. And I played bluegrass. (laughs) I'm being schooled right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I have been so schooled. But, But the majority of the people played in C standard, so I ended up having to learn that tuning as well. By ear. Yes. I yes. Just, I'm just being just being concise with that, so you know that the, our listeners know by ear. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when I say by ear, I wasn't trained, but I'd have older guys say, "Hey, put your finger right here." Yeah. And then I just started memorizing shapes. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's yeah. how a lot a lot of folks play guitar. Even folks that are quite academic. Mm-hmm. Um, depending on where you go, you go to Nashville, they have a whole, mm-hmm. they have a whole system. And there are many people that interpret the system slightly differently too. They mm-hmm. play by shapes. They play by that cage. It's shapes. It's shapes because the only reason we have <clears throat> a through G and then it starts over. How come there's not an H I J because we've never said there was. So yeah. it's really like shapes. Yeah. Like in my, in my opinion, in my I, opinion. no, I agree with you. Yeah. Um, I teach, a I teach a lot lately. Um, and for the melodic instruments students that I have, so I have some guitar and some piano, and um, mm-hmm. I teach them music. I don't necessarily teach them their instrument. I like to draw that line, mm-hmm. but I oftentimes start with the key of A because I always start with the key of A, but keep going because it's the first letter, right? If I do st- it because it's in the middle of the guitar <laughs> and it's the first letter. I for for my guitar students, I do it because it's probably the easiest chord to make with one one yeah. finger. Um, okay, but I, so I get them there mm-hmm. and. The point being is, is you have a really recognizable starting point. A is a recognizable starting point, right? Right. And later on in the other systems, you might call A1 if it happens to be the root. You might call it 4 if it's the fourth of what a particular key. But if I start you at A, and mm-hmm. then the next, the, the next week I teach you B, you have an idea where we're going. Mm-hmm. You're along for the ride. You're not driving, but you have an idea. If right. you start at C, like most people do, because there's no sharps and flats in that key, mm-hmm. You don't, that's not, not really easy to recognize. People are like, okay, I'm sorry. This is C. Okay, thank you. And then that circle you make, you're starting at C. C, D, E, F, G, A. If you start at A, people just tend to find a common ground there. Yeah. Um, I still haven't figured out that circle. Don't tell to me, people. But, yeah. <laughs> it's funny that you bring that up because Cameron Hughes' episode I just listened to, and, and Cameron started in C on piano because – Yeah, pianists generally start in the middle C or whatever that is. Yeah, and talked about how hard it was to transition that way because he wasn't taught to transpose. And we Mm. we had this. I will tell you about Cameron because I've known him since he was yay big, yay big. Uh, He he gave you kudos for give him give him him a a run at sixteen playing playing keys with you. Well, he was he was years ahead of his time even back then, and he played for a church. And when you talk about keys and no, no transpose button, yeah, you know we didn't have that. And in the ch- in the church, and Lord forgive me, Jesus, people would start in this key, and the song would end up in that key, and you just gotta follow it. Yeah, and I mean it's training on the job. And and he was in a church setting, so his ear is very good. Mm. I, 
I think some of those gospel players are some of the best players. They're in the, the best. <clears throat> they so, are the best. I did I did a gospel quartet for years, and uh, I learned the most musically playing in quartets and going to places where there was shows, five or six quartets, and just it'll motivate you. You'll go home and play guitar all night after you see a good guitar player. Yeah, yeah, and I would say yeah. the same with drummers. So like, oh yeah, Jeremy's been my mentor. But I saw this drummer mm. years ago. Uh, I ran sound at a, a relay for life, and and I was talking to him backstage. I was like, dude, you you're just sick. And he's like, I play gospel, and I was like, that makes so much sense. Mm. Oh yeah, they yeah. just they're you're just thrown into a fire with people you got to do the work with. And Bro, like, all my all my dad's people he grew up with. Um, there's a quartet called the Spiritual Seven. And uh, the Starkeys, and they're all the musicians, the kids, the grandkids, they all play. Um, my dad was one of the original. He played with those guys before they were gospel. They were R&B. But their mom said, nope, you're not going to play R&B. You play a gospel, but, um, which is um, good for her. But they are phenomenal musicians, all of the Starkeys. If you get any of them on here, they will, they will tell you. You give me a list, yeah. and I'll start making phone calls. <laughs> oh, yeah. So. Well, you know, there's there's something that's been said a couple times here, uh, that that family aspect. <clears throat> it's it, There's no wonder why a family full of musicians continues to pr- produce musicians. And I think mm-hmm. it's because it's quite conversational. Like, you're learning that stuff. Before, you know, you mentioned you don't know theory, you don't know this. I hear a lot of people mm-hmm. say that. Um, I was that guy for a long time. Um, you know, almost, almost, you're not saying it with any, any type of guilt, but a lot of right. people like to right. throw it out there in the beginning. Like, Hey, I'm new to this band. I don't know theory. Just so what you're what it's a signal. Like, Hey, speak to me a little differently, or at least let my ear do the work. Um, right. you hear, I mean, my point is this music is conversational in that your first words to your dad or your family, they weren't words you read off a piece of paper. They were words you heard right. and you repeated. And right. through the practice of hearing and repeating, you got better at it. There's no reason that music should be different. Correct. And that there isn't, music isn't different. You know a lot of people who don't read, who don't know theory, right. who don't this, who don't academia, who don't that. It's just right. a, another language that they communicate with. Yeah. And those folks are typically some of the illest folks to play with. Oh, yeah. One of the, one of the, one of the most talented guys I've ever played with is Hoppy, Hoppy Vaughn. And, I mean... He told me one time, he said, it's all stolen. He goes, right. it's all stolen. You know, somebody's done it before. I've heard it before. Um, I guess if you submerge yourself into a lot of music and a lot of mm-hmm. different genres and you pick up a little of this and a little of that, you kind of get your own voice mm-hmm. eventually. Yep. But it, it's all stolen, then it's all a mashup of, you know. It's basically like you said, if you're talking um, and you're making a sentence. Mm-hmm. It's it's your voice, and if you can get that to go through and translate onto this, then then you completed it. Yep. Um, I say if it's just repetitive, I don't I don't generally like to hear guys that are just repetitive. All right, this is a right. It sounds repetitive, but if you're just like no two of my solos are going to sound alike. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll tell you that there may be oh he's in the A pentatonic scale. But it's never going to be the same notes. Right, That's right, it. Right. Yeah. So even recording, if I record a solo, eh, I don't really like that one. Let's try it again. Yep. So. Yeah, there's so many so many ways to approach the art of music, and so many branches of the tree that. Yeah. It, expressing it's yourself is the key. 
Expe- yeah. Do you express yourself? Is that yes. and, and you obviously do, but I'm I'm saying it's a. Uh, uh, it, it doesn't. The apology. The, the apologies for the academic side of music. Okay? They're abound, and yeah, you can take music very far, and you can learn the history. You can learn so much, and it can make you better. Yeah. I'm all for it, but that's well. See, that's why I like the blues genre because I guarantee you those guys didn't go to college. I guarantee you they didn't have a degree. Mm. And somewhere along the line, somebody went to school, got a degree, and said, this is what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And you could even take a jazz guy like Wes Montgomery and say, oh, my God, he's doing this. He's going up a fifth, and he's playing the natural minor of the eighth, whatever you want to call it. Yep. He probably just said, this sounds good, so I'm going to do it again. Yep. Like, literally. Yep. Well, we yeah. want to know what we don't know. And I think there's mm-hmm. something interesting about putting the science behind it. And that's yes. what I think music, music theory and everything is. And I think there's a place for that. But, like, what I, what I think the difference is is that – there is a misunderstanding with the communication piece as you're talking about. Like there's a missing piece, a variable part of that, like that I'm really happy that like, I know that I'm, I, I had when I was younger Mm -hmm. when my family isn't, uh, isn't musical at all. I got it from my friends' families by going in and uh-huh. hanging out with them and watching them, and then they let me sit and play and dabble on drums and whatever. And it was really, really cool to watch that and like to hear stories like yours. Mm-hmm. It. I want more of it. I want to hear more of it because there's there there is something really neat because I think it it does go on generational as you're saying. Yeah. Me, like 100%. I will say this. I, I think I would have went further faster had I had the theory side. Probably. But also, I might have lost something on the ear training side. Probably. Um, (laughs) So, like, when I can pull up YouTube and they just tell me the chords, that's great. Especially when I got a 60-song list that I need to have in three weeks. God bless you. I've done it. But if I didn't have that and I had to sit there and study, I would really have to figure it out. And so, for instance, and me and my girlfriend talk about this a lot, is anybody in this era as smart as Einstein because he did all that without the science that we have now and the people like, like he we, was by himself yeah so like <laughs> we could we could take it we can take a, a scientific calculator and hit a button and that's pi but like he had to do that on the chalkboard yeah and then go, so so where's the Einstein of this generation yeah um that's a super valid <laughs> point I'm glad you bring it up it's called um <clears throat> it's called inherited wealth and I'm not talking mm-hmm. about literal money it's like the scientific community runs on Lots of inherited wealth. There's yes. lots of you, there's lots of things you don't have. If you're a student of science or anything for that matter, mm-hmm. and a lot of things have been discussed prior to you, and they've been proven this way and that. Then you don't you, have. You can start here. You start. It's there. like a video game. Yep. You get. You driving a car. You get to the checkpoint. Yeah. Boom. If you crash, you can start back at the checkpoint. Yep. That's the checkpoint. But you know. But that's. I know that's a music concept. But that's. Now we're talking deep <laughs> shit. Deep, deep, now we got, got deep as hell. That's what vodka does to you. Let's <laughs> talk about time travel hey, a little bit. Free vodka, remember that. <laughs> yeah, free 93. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that inherited well. Let's go. Let's move on before I start running my mouth. I know. So, all right. So <laughs> I'll pour some more vodka and then run my mouth. Sort of, sort of switching gills, but gears, but not really. Switching gills. Gills. Now, uh, we're, now we're underwater. Just discuss your j- day job and oh, uh, how does that job impact your night job as a musician? Oh, wow. So when I was when I was building the band, it really did um, affect it just because of the hours I was working. I was working 12 hour shifts and 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. Got a gig at eight, play from eight till 11. Long day, long day. Go home, get five hours sleep, 
do it again back at work <laughs> at six but that's what i had to do if i wanted to make any money or make a name for yourself so how long have you been doing that jojo Twenty thousand years. No, <laughs> just twenty. Just twenty. But it feels like you've been you've been you've been I, working your day job and then playing music at night for twenty years. I've, well, I've been in I've been in law enforcement twenty years. Okay, and I've been playing music about half of that. So here in this valley, yeah, about okay. ten years. And I mean, even before that, I always played gospel. So. Um, before that, I was playing quartet music in, in different churches. Before that 10 years. Mm-hmm. Okay, because yeah. I got to call you out on this. I mean, I've been waiting <laughs> to say this all night. Um, I used to teach at the fret mill. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, I was really exposed to so, so many great players. And I mean, I'm not the biggest fan of bluegrass, but mm-hmm. working there, you just hear it every Saturday morning. I had more students on Saturday morning. I had like eight, nine students on Saturday. Yeah. Um, you were always in there playing guitar. I don't know if you remember. I do remember. But here's what I remember about it. I was working with some, uh, I was nervous about teaching. I didn't know if I was good enough. I got over that fairly quickly. But I was, uh, the studio's upstairs. You had Wes, you had Jody, you had Stacey. Oh, yeah, Jody Enzer. You had some players, right? Yeah, yeah. And it was really cool to be around to realize that I'm not as good as I thought I was. And there's these people that will make me better. But you would come Mm. in frequently and and play guitar. And I'm here to tell you, after all these years, I would just stop and listen to you for the longest time. Wow, dude! Because you really didn't play a lot of notes, yeah. and you just and I and I maybe it's because I was surrounded by lots of notes. I don't know, right? But I've really enjoyed your playing, and Thank so you. much so that I was like, Jody, who's that guy? He said, Oh, that's JoJo. He likes the blues. <laughs> well, <laughs> and, and, and you would come every time you walk in the door. I would try to make try to stay on the floor and not go upstairs and teach and be like, oh, that's I like awesome, this. man. You just made my day right there. I've been so, saving it. I've been saving it. And well, I didn't I'm not the biggest fan of the blues and I enjoy it now more than ever. Mm-hmm. But there's just something about the way you express that style of music through your guitar that's if you had asked me this twenty five years ago and it was going down, I wouldn't have been able to say these words. It right. just felt I felt it felt real. It felt hundred percent authentic and I'm like, I, I like what he's doing. Right. And that was so, one one of the first tastes of authenticity or, or recognizing authenticity that i had man thank you so much I You're can't, welcome. it just made my night man <laughs> it's true but i'll it's tell you and very, honestly very you know why i came in there so often because i couldn't afford a guitar really <laughs> i came in there to play shit i couldn't buy <laughs> so damn I, I was like i like this then i look at the sticker and i'll Wait a minute. Where's the decimal mark? Is this a, <laughs> it's in the I wrong place. It, yeah, <laughs> the, the decimal over. Is that the rent fee? Uh, exactly. <laughs> but um, that being said, like all musicians do it, if I could have back some of the stuff I traded, some of the stuff I sold, I would I would have top-notch stuff. I probably bought a Fender hot rod at least four times because I'd get it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to trade this to get that then that would be shitty. And then I'd go end up looking for another hot rod mm. and then pay more for it. Like you lose every time on a trade. Yeah. But. Well, I'm um, so glad you, you said that. Yeah, you losing, you losing money. <laughs> Let me play devil's advocate because I, I've, trust me, I've lost my ass on many a trade. <laughs> yeah. What you lose in trade, you might gain in potential expression. If you find that instrument. Yes. If you, I've lost in trade and been happy if I got what I wanted. So monetarily, I might lose in trade 
But do I really lose? I didn't really understand it when I was younger. I played in this Christian group, and this guitar player I played with, he traded his shit all the time, and like uh-huh. he would have something different every gig, and I never really, really understood it. But right. when you when you're talking about it now, and obviously uh, being older and like have mm-hmm. a little bit more wisdom, it's like mm-hmm. it's it's finding the right tool. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's finding the right tool, and I get it. I I'll get tell it. you right now in my car there is a classical guitar. Got it at Fred Mill. I paid one seventy nine. It is a classical plug in guitar, so you can plug it in. Right, Ibanez, I think I'm not sure. I've probably I've had Taylors. I've had all kinds of guitars. That thing sounds the best. Yeah, and because of the nylon strings, and I'm lazy, and I keep the accents super low. It is my favorite one to play. I don't even bring the other ones out. Practical. We say practical yeah. around here. Yeah. Pra- well, it's practical. Not so, lazy. so it being one like one seventy something, and then my first gig that I did with it, I made two hundred bucks, and that was probably five years ago. <laughs> so, so one little secret thing that I do, and I tell everybody to the podcast, just so you know, <laughs> what I try to do is the gig. It's just an inside joke to myself. It might not even be funny. The gig that pays the most. I try to bring the cheapest shit because, <laughs> because that means it's paid for itself that many more times. That's um, just my little inside. Kudos to you, So, so if you see me at the Harvester and I've got a Fender Squire, nothing against Squire. Well, you posted something the other day and was like, I love setting up my own stuff. And it was like, and I looked at it and I was like, I'm OCD and I was like Jojo this is a mess son like, so, yeah, but so, like, this is me being super judgmental obviously if, but if, like, if I had did if I had did like emojis on that it would have been a laugh and then a cry <laughs> yeah because it was from years ago yeah like, yeah yeah it was older equipment and I was like Jojo what are you doing <laughs> yeah yeah uh, but, but at the end of the day I will tell you this about sound is that that is the most important person in the room is the sound guy yeah, yeah. and I just told somebody that today that you can be the best band in the valley, but if the sound guy sucks, you're going to sound like mud. It doesn't matter. Nope. Um, but I've always yeah. treated everybody, anywhere I've played, I've tried to anyway, treat everybody like they're the most important person. Um, some people treat the sound guy like the janitor. But I, like that same sound guy might be the guy setting up for you, I don't know, Dr. Pepper Park or somewhere else. Is that why you were right. nice to me that day? Because I ran your sound that day? <laughs> no, because you look like a janitor. <laughs> that's, that's fair, too. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm kidding. kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> janitors, janitors clean up a lot of shit. They do. They all do. day. All day. No, I mean, I, I you said that, and I totally forgot that I, I did. I ran sound for you, for you yeah, guys. Absolutely. You guys were hot sauce then. Hot sauce. And it's, and it's, it's more to it than people think. Since I started running my own, you got to get there early. You got to, you know, really. You're a female it, singer, too. Oh, yes. Yes. That was um, Talisha. And she was a phenomenal singer. Um, we had her and her mother eventually sang with us. And they were they were phenomenal. I met her mom probably when I was like in my early 20s. And she was so phenomenal. Like she shook something in me. And I didn't know that years and years and years and years later she'd be in the band. But I think that's what shook me up yeah. about your group is that one, you had... You had female singers, and mm-hmm. two, you guys had this energy about you that, w- and you guys, I mean, you guys played a, a wide variety, if I remember correctly. Wide variety. Yeah, and so like that's what I really liked, and it, yeah. I, then then you know that's what what Hauser Schmidt was is like we tried to be a, a very different variety of, of music around here, the, and like and that's the that's the key. Like to me, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Correct. There's enough hits out there 
Like you don't have to just take these good songs. And I could, I could say three songs right now that everybody in this room would probably know. If I said sitting on the dock of the bay, if I said journey, if I said journey, you would say, don't stop believing. Yeah. If I said Michael Jackson beat it, everybody in this room knows you don't have to. It's so many hits. If I say Prince 1999. Yeah. So even if you have a CD of a band that you like, let's say Dave Matthews, you can listen to that CD. But number 41, baby. Number, number 41. 41 is my favorite. But you but but eventually you're going to put it in another CD as much as you love the guy. So, like, at a show, crowds are the same way. I feel like, all right, yeah, we've heard this. Now, I understand if, if, if the crowd is, like, warming up to Motown, we'll stay on the Motown train, right? If they like country, we'll stay with that genre. But my current band, we go through so many genres, it can never be the same show. It can never get boring. So when did you start writing music? Because I'll, I'll be honest, I didn't know that about you. I've, uh, I, you've been the cover guy for me. That's a, <laughs> that's an interesting story. So I like blues and I'm a bluesman. And at the time I was sitting in with Hoppy Vaughn and this was part of my grind that we was talking about. I probably sat in with him for like two years straight every Wednesday at Blue Five. And just no money, just going up there and learning. And if you played with Hoppy, you'll learn. You'll learn the hard way, <laughs> but you'll learn uh, what to do, what not to do. And he said, hey, let's record. You need to write. You know, I was singing Buddy Guy songs and I mean, they were great, but he said, you need to write. So he said, come to my studio in my basement. We're going to record. And I literally wrote something on a napkin on the way to his place. So, so Hoppy kind of pushed me off the ledge into writing. And so my first song was written on a napkin on the way to Hoppy's house. And he never knew. And, and two albums later, right? Two albums later. And that's. That's where I did all my recording on both albums. Now, do, do your groups now play any of those songs? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, we pl we played Martin's last week, and um, the last song was one of my originals. pretty edgy. Sweet. Yeah. Good for you, dude. I like that yeah. you said uh, the way you phrased it was, did you say push push you off the cliff? What did you say? Was that, was that the, yeah. the wording? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm yeah. working with somebody now <clears throat> who just doesn't have the balls to do it outright he's gonna hear this and that's why i'm taking this time to do it do it dude where's the camera do it what's well, it's silly not to and and we have there's a couple conversations we have on the on the podcast repeatedly the academic side of music mm -hmm. the non-academic side of music let me be clear i'm not taking sides i have tons of opinions I'm not taking sides there's also the original take you, you want to mm -hmm. write music or do you want to uh do cover tunes and I, i've made the analogy that uh, if you're a cover band, you're a service, and if you're an original original band, you're a product. <clears throat> and you can also blur those lines. Again, mm -hmm. not taking sides, but not diving into any one of those things is selling yourself short. Absolutely. So by, by writing, even if you write the shittiest song, yeah. then you then you got things to think about. Because you might know 100 cover songs. You might play them really well. Mm -hmm. People might tip you big money. You might have 200 gigs. Yeah. But there's something you don't know about yourself. But here's the problem with that, too, is that if I'm singing Buddy Guy tunes and I, I finally get to the level of festival work and I get to a festival and Buddy's there, I can't sing anything. So I got to have originals. You got to have original music. But, but, but also, if I'm in a group setting at a bar, I can't really, I'm not saying you can't, but no, if, I start, if I start with a 
original. Nobody yep. knows it. Yeah. Maybe I need to do a few cover tunes to bring them in. Sure. And then do my original. Sure. That's very interesting. All of those that things are valid. So, yeah. That, yeah. All of those mm-hmm. are valid. I, I, I did the original scene, but I did it in the Christian scene. And I, and, mm-hmm. and I know my, our listeners have heard this a hundred times, but like it was so hard because mm-hmm. I didn't have enough covers. Boy, this vodka just got hot. Right. Your face is red. I know. Right. Is it the lighting? <laughs> <laughs> I, and it's and and you're you're speaking so much truth in it. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember Jason Holt being like, mm-hmm. "We need to do sixty forty. And I I and I, I was I think back then I was I was offended by that because I I spent so much time writing mm-hmm. and yeah. I wanted to play more of my stuff because I spent so much time writing and I and right. I wish that I listened to him. And so Jason, if you're listening. Know that I know that you were right, and I wish that I listened to you because now I understand that. Mm-hmm. But I've been through through this this scene for ten years now, and now that I'm doing covers, I want to do covers that are different. But I also know that we have to play the ones that people will know because mm-hmm. in that same kind of genre. If I'm being different, so correct. Does that make sense? Perfectly. That's exactly what I would say because it, it's kind of like people come in and they see us, which, which I love to do. Um, I know my bio says award-winning, blah, blah, blah. It's just because we're the, we're the current winners of the Battle of the Bands for Smith Mountain Lake. Man, don't but downplay that. Your bio Battle says what it says. <laughs> no. um, but, but the point of it is, we, I, I don't want to brag and say, oh, we're the best, we're the best. But we're doing other people's songs. Yeah. But however, we do them our way. Yeah. So we, it's kind of a, a balance. And what's really, really fun about it um, we're a very horrible wedding band just because the fun and the energy and this high octane. We're a four-piece four too, right? It's a four-piece, and you never know what, what Stu, my lead singer, is going to sing. And so he kind of, so a little bit about him is he started doing karaoke, karaoke. Sing, phenomenal, but karaoke, so he's got so many songs here. So when he's listening to a four chord progression, which is 90% what I'm playing, he'll go from Kings of Leon to Rick James to Michael Jackson to Snoop Dogg to Eminem. And that's the first four minutes. Just string it all together. (laughs) That's the first four minutes of the show. We were at an elementary school doing Bon Jovi. He threw nursery rhymes in a Bon Jovi song. That's awesome. You'll never see that again. And so with that, the same songs that we do at a club we can do at a nightclub, at a golf club, at an elementary school. It's endless. I, j- I just had to realize that when you say golf club, you meant I mean, like, like the place a, where they all where they all yeah. Because if golf that cause if, if that were a pun, I was gonna lose my shit. <laughs> <laughs> but it's one in the same. One in the same. So you, I would I would say mm-hmm. that you're quite popular and you play a lot nowadays. I play a lot. Talk talk about the grind and how easy or hard it was. For you to get there whoo the grind <laughs> so believe it or not i have people inbox me regularly regularly hey man how do you get gigs how do i get in blah 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 i'm gonna give y'all the cheat code but i will tell you ahead of time there's no shortcuts there's no shortcuts so it all started like this i went to blue five one night there was a killer blues band. They weren't from around here. They were there playing boom, boom, boom. Guitar player, he was all right. They were doing my genre, and they was doing stuff I like, and I know all the words to all the songs. And the guy goes, um, 
Well, I asked the guy, could I play? Which you don't do is bad etiquette. I no, didn't know terrible. that then. It's, it's terrible. terrible. It's the worst thing to do. So I said, hey, man, <laughs> let me play. Let me play. And so he's like, um, well, can anybody here vouch for you? And I'm like, Damn. well, I look around. The bartenders, they don't know that I play. There's nobody in the crowd that knows that I play. And I was like, well, I don't think anybody can vouch for me. And then he goes, I don't think anybody's going to let you play tonight. <laughs> That's like, a good way to get out of that. Hey, so, so, but legit, I left and I thought about it and I was like, hey, nobody knows that I play. So even if I had, when you talk about money, if I had to sit in for free, I would sit in. So at that same bar, I sat in every Wednesday with Hoppy. Mm. Pay your dues. I found out, you have to pay your dues, but I found out you, there was at the time when people said, oh, there's nothing to do. There was an open mic at the cellar in Blacksburg every Monday. There was an open mic at Fork in the Market every Wednesday. Uh, every Tuesday at Schooners near Hollis, there was an open mic at the time. There was an open mic at the Green Dolphin before that. I knew where everywhere there was music. The Q had it on Thursday. You name a day, I knew where the music was. So I would go, I would play, I would play for free, I'd do open mics. That's how I started writing and seeing what would flop. <laughs> <laughs> and what would not yeah um there's no shortcut to that and so once once i started doing that man the manager at um the fork in the alley he said um this was my first paid gig as a band i'm sitting there on a friday you know, having a drink probably pinnacle vodka i don't know what it was <laughs> and he goes he slams the phone he says damn the band canceled tonight and I said, well, I could put something together. And he's like, he knew me from open mics for like six months. Mm. And he's like, well, you're pretty good. The band can't be but so bad. Good. Gave me a shot on a Friday night. Brought the band in, packed the street, almost turned into a street party. And after that, we were regular at the fork. Mm. So then you, you learn, you know, people like Dave Trinkle, then, you know, J.D. Suffin, then, you know, Perry Callaghan. You, you learn the people because the people that want gigs, they don't know these people because they don't go out and do the work. Yep. So I went out, and not only did I do that, I supported all the artists that were also coming out. Thank you for saying that. that I, was really I, was, I was really hoping you were going to get to that because that is part of paying your dues is going and supporting other local artists. Whether you like them or not, you go and support them. Absolutely. And, and and you just go and meet people and put a smile on your face and support them, support them, support them. Support them and support the people. Okay. <laughs> take it further. Let me take it further. Let me go deeper. So one day, my four piece, we go to the fort. We buy drinks, two drinks. Let's say each of us buy two drinks. I have a standing gig at the fork the whole year. And then one day... We don't have a gig, so we just go to the fork and we buy drinks. So when the four of us walk in, everybody's like, are y'all playing tonight? What's going on with y'all? You never see a whole band come in. There's another band playing. We're just there. Well, it's called giving back. They've given me probably $1,200 throughout the year. I'm going to give you back 100 tonight. Yeah. That's nothing. Nothing. But the impact is huge. Huge. They appreciate it. The band is playing, appreciates it. When that band is double booked, they may give you a call and say, hey, we're double booked. Can you take this gig? And who knows where that gig is going to lead? Yep. So a lot of people, like, they don't see that the, the small things 
And so but they're really big. They're really they're really big. I've well, seen they can add up. I've seen people that um, from the open mics meet each other. And the next thing you know, they form a group. Yeah. Yeah. Or let's say you're from out of town and you come in and you play sax and there is a band member that's been looking for a sax player. Like you never know until you go out there. Yeah. So and when I tell people that, oh, how do you get gigs? Oh, just go to some open mics. They want to segue through that part, but you can't. There's, there's really no way. So. Even even if there was a way, don't wait for that way. Get to work. Get to get, work. Get out there. Network. Play. Get to work. Because you go. I don't care how good you are. You're going to meet somebody that has something to inform you of. Right. So yeah. Well, and you'll you'll have people. You'll have people that want to shortcut it or whatever. And I mean, if there's a band that's already popular, and you get with that band, okay, you you've made a little shortcut. Yeah. Which is which is fine. Well, I think with the whole support piece, you got to go in there with an open mind and not look to, to judge everybody too, and yeah. to be happy for them. So, so mm-hmm. like there, I, I'm going to be completely honest. There was a time because there was a member in my old group that that made it known of like, ah, oh, JoJo Stockton's playing again. Ah, oh, JoJo's JoJo's <laughs> playing again. It's irritating. And so it, it really and is. It, and it, it became irritating, and it almost became toxic for me in a sense. Mm-hmm. And. I, what, to even hear the words? Just be like, JoJo's playing again? Why aren't we playing again? Like, mm-hmm. JoJo's playing again. Why oh, that we? comparative thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. and like oh. that made it toxic for me. And and I, I'm here to say I was in that, and mm-hmm. it shouldn't be like that. Like, right. we sh- we shouldn't be like that. And that's why we're doing this podcast, is that yeah. we need yeah, yeah. we need to, to be open. What? And ha- I'm like, no, I'm glad you brought that up. Hell yeah, good for you, dude. No, I'm glad you brought that up, because seriously, seriously. I realize it's it, it looks that way and people feel that way. A thousand percent. Um, and what I'm going to call it is bells and whistles. I'm going to tell you a quick story and you're going to realize. We had a show at Blue Five. So when I say bells and whistles, I'm talking about smoke and mirrors. We had a show at Blue Five. I invited a band out of Lynchburg and I said, we're going to do this big thing and we're going to bring you guys in and listen because y'all are driving. We're going to give y'all all the money and we won't take any money. We're just going to make a big event and it's just going to make both bands bigger. And so I started promoting it on the page. It's very important. Promotion, 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 right? <laughs> so let's say the show is on Saturday and I call down there on Wednesday and I'm like, Hey, how's it going? Any, any tables reserved for the weekend? No, not a single one. Like, all right, all right, what I got to do. So then Thursday I call, hey, is there uh, any tables reserved for this thing? Because I, I put some more pictures out. Say, so, eh, we got a couple, but, you know, not really a whole lot. And so here comes the smoke and mirrors. I make a huge post, but the a lot of pictures, but the words are very short. And it says, tables are going fast. After the fire marshal shuts it down, nobody else will be allowed in. Reserve your table. Period. Call back Friday. I can't even get a table. <laughs> that's, a, that's a true story. Done and lie. I called in and I said, I need a table near the front on the left of the stage for the band. They said, we don't have any tables. I said, you don't understand. I'm the band. She said, you don't understand. We don't have any tables. Smoke and mirrors. Mm. And so I did that for a lot of stuff you might have saw. Hey, they're playing here. They're playing there. It might have been 10 people <laughs> that actually showed sure. up. I might have gave you the best clip of the night. 
But then it turned into, you ever heard of fake it till you make it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I just yeah. still do it. Yeah. If you want to be a runner, just walk outside and start. Just go walking. <laughs> what yeah. would a runner do? I guess I'd go outside and start. Move these start legs. Running. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Well, no, there's a lot to be said about what you're saying is the one, the promotion part is it's huge and you have mm -hmm. to put in the work to do it. Yeah. And like, I know that I feel even as a uh, on this podcast, oh, look, it's Tuesday. I'm going to have to post another post about the Beats, Brews and Buddies. But you know what? Mm -hmm. That's part of the grind and getting people to learn and to, to share and to like and to enjoy it. And that's. You have to do it. I'll give you it. another secret that I did. Well, before I forget about it, because you get my age, you forget stuff. Um <laughs> So somebody says, how do you get all these venues? How do you blah, blah, blah? So what do you? What would you do to find the contacts in Roanoke? How would you find out? You who, asking me? Yeah. yeah. Well, for me, it was, it's, it, you got to go meet the people. You got to go to the place. So like I would go see, see you okay. at New Year's Eve and okay. meet J.D. Suffin and meet, meet those people. And like, oh, J.D. Suffin's part of Big Like He's watching me because I stole his <laughs> So that's one way. That's I one can't way. even believe. <laughs> what you drinking? Vienna Lager? Vienna Lager. Cheers to you, sir. Cheers. Cheers. I'm keto tonight, so I'm <laughs> I, I can't even. He done stole it. It was just sitting there. All Sorry. Pretty. No. So, yeah, <laughs> I would go meet the people, and that's what I and that's what I did. And that's, you have to go meet and see and play and, and hear these other people. Right. And say hello and go go talk to the band during their break. Talk Be like, to the man, band. you're doing great. Absolutely. You sound great. Absolutely. Uh, how would you do it? How would I do what? How would you find out the contacts, who to go to, who to, how to get booked? Um, boom, boom, boom. I've never been asked a question on this podcast. That's why I put you on the spot. No, I, th I appreciate <laughs> it. I think you should ask him the question why he stole my beer. Um, so I'm going to approach this from if I were uh, younger and in the area doing the whole thing again. I mm -hmm. didn't do that because I just played so damn much. I played in, in my studio a lot. I played at home a lot. Um, I talked to anybody and everybody about music. So, mm -hmm. it, so there was a presence that I had mm -hmm. that stemmed from me wanting to be the best that I could and to learn from as many people as I could. That alone will put you in somebody's awareness. And Absolutely. it might be somebody who just needs a drummer or say he doesn't need a drummer, but in four months, something happened, he, he needs a drummer. Mm -hmm. And then you get in with that particular band. Right. If if you're talking about making con local contacts and who's putting on the gigs, um, I I don't have a, a, a clever answer. I would just contact them directly. Mm -hmm. But I'm, I, I want to be clear here. I'm just speaking from my experience. I was so immersed in the idea of making music for a living and being the best that I could be mm -hmm. that my name was around. Right. And right. I think you're the same way. Like you have a childlike love for right. music. And right. When you have a childlike love for it. Definitely. You just go, people are going to hear you. They're it doesn't matter if you're a shredder. If I'll you know tell you. I'll know. tell you this <laughs> about my about my even my albums. I'm not the best guitarist. I mean, I'm decent and I that? love it. And I'm not the best, but I've always had a gift of bringing the right people together. Facilitator. And so uh, on my whole album, you'll hear Isaac Haddon, you'll hear Hoppy Vaughn, you'll hear Brian Mesco, you'll hear Jonathan Barker, you'll hear Cameron Hughes, you'll hear Jamie Allen. You'll hear James Pates, like yeah. you hear all these people on my songs yeah. because I'll listen to a song and I'll say, what does it need? But that's what's good about collaborating mm -hmm. is that one time I think we had an idea of like Hobby was recording something that Brian Mesco was doing. And he was like, 
let's put the amp inside the closet, close the door, and then turn up the distortion. I never would have thought of that. Yeah, yeah. But it records sounded differently. And so that's why you have to collab when you're recording. You have but, to. But, but back to how do you get in, get your foot in the door? Everything y'all said is true, and I did all that. Plus, I did an open mic every single night. Yeah, yeah go play. And I sat in for two years. But here's a cheat code. Every Thursday, Roanoke Times, in the extra section, had a page that said, what's going on this weekend? Okay? Every single Thursday. It might say, Mangoes has the works. And it has a fucking phone number. Mm. So now I know Mangoes has music. Mangoes likes to work. And here's the phone number. Mm-hmm. If I don't know the works, where well, everybody do, shout out to Jerry Weber. We go way back. If I listen to the works and I go live and hear him, oh, this is the kind of music that Mangoes likes. And this is their phone number. Yep. That's a wealth of knowledge just out of. Yeah, and it was yeah, a yeah. whole. It's it called was called playing top the ticks, game. Top ticks. Top picks. Did, did Tad write that? Tad Dickens. Probably. He was, but, uh, he's, he was last Tuesday, last, he was here. He was We're doing guest. interviews. Love yeah. Tad. Good drummer. What I'm saying is, that's a cheat code. Yeah. Now you have a whole, every single week, you know who's got music, you know where it's at, what time it starts. That sounds you know what too kind of, easy. It does, doesn't it? it really but it does give you a starting point. Something. Then, you know what I'm saying? To a person, if I moved here from Richmond and I'm trying to get into the scene and I look at top tickets on Run Oak Times every Thursday, I know what's up. And then that's that's the first. And then if nothing else, it tells you where to go. Yeah. No. You know, I love that, Jojo. Yeah. I think we're you and I are the only ones in this room that read newspapers. <laughs> I used to use a typewriter. I'm not telling you how old I am, but no. you know where it goes across and ding and then you have to slide it. Yeah. Ding, yeah. Ding. I mean, yeah, I things are that. done differently now, but I, you, I didn't know. You, hey, you sir. Hey, sir. When you <laughs> How you spell this? I was doing that on the way over here. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but no, that's legitimate. I do remember grabbing um, papers to see who was playing. And as mm-hmm. a young man, my entire goal was to go hear music and see if I was up to par with the people on stage. It was all about me. Here's, and there's ooh, been, this is there, a perfect so, segue. So, so check it out. There, there is merit there, there's validity mm-hmm. there. But it's only for so long, my friend. You can make yourself better. Uh-huh. If your beacons are the people playing um, Billy's Barn, the original version from 1978, those aren't necessarily the best beacons to make you the best musician you can be. They can be a great starting point. Mm-hmm. Um, as I age, I realize those are just places that facilitate growth of an area. We have so much music here. This is why I, I support it because when music wins, everybody wins. Everybody wins. I don't hate. I don't hate on a band because if I'm playing, I can't play them all. If I'm playing at the fort, and there's a band at Off of Arthur's, guess what? Crescent City, you need a band. Yep. So like, if everybody's promoting live music and everybody's supporting live music, that's how you get quote unquote butts in seats. Mm-hmm. Usually, that's what business care about. That's Are all you going to put butts in seats? That's all they care about. And so here's what I think some bands do prematurely is that they they want the same money that another band makes, but they don't put the people in the room. So 
I've talked about this idea of put making a matrix system. So uh-huh. if you're starting out, like you're where let's let's say the three of us are going to start a band. Mm-hmm. He's going to play guitar. I'm going to play drums, and you're going to play bass, right? Mm-hmm. And we we're going to. I'll get, be damned <laughs> because if there's one person in this room that's going to get a guitar back in his hand, it's me. After after what I told him, I mean, if you play that, and I hate playing. The All right, then I'll then whatever. I mean, I'll, well, you I I can play guitar and sing, but it's, go it's ahead with great. your story. Sorry. Go ahead with your what story. What I was saying is so like there should be a tiered system of like okay first group first time playing they're they're all three of them play locally a lot but this is what you're gonna make and then the next time depending upon obviously the crowd and the energy and what you do it should be different Mm -hmm. and so it should be tiered in a sense per experience and per what business you bring and it shouldn't always be the same and that's I why I, I, pers- I, that's why I, I personally like places that give the door. So that's that. You took the words out of my mouth. So, so recently, played for a place. I just I won't mention it, but they know who they are. It's a base fee or a percentage of the door, whichever is higher. So they're and to me they're saying, well, if we don't quite meet the the base fee, we're still going to pay you that. But if you bring people. And they stay all night and they buy drinks and we make money. You make money. That's fair. But when you got a guy that says, hey, I'm a four piece band and we've been making four hundred dollars. We make a hundred a man. Next year it's five hundred for the band. Well, if four people can't bring 10 people a piece to buy one drink. It's not worth it. You see what I'm saying? If we're a four-piece band, us in this room, and each of us bring 10 people to the show, that's 40 people. Now, if each of them buy one cocktail that's $10, guess what? The band just broke even. But you got bands that can't bring 20 people in, and they want $600 because the other band made $600. It's not like that. And it shouldn't be like that. Correct. I'm 100% with you. Right, right. 100%. So, But to build your following, that's another – I don't want to jump subjects to – too fast we're getting into where where we're going to talk about the financial implications yeah go ahead yeah go ahead well i also want to know what what you would like to see differently in this area because you've been playing in it long enough too so you can answer both all right so and i think we talked about this earlier um one thing i started doing is um you have to know your work and like i said i have paid my dues and my band members have paid their dues and we bring a quality product and we bring people and those people patronize. So if a bar comes to me and says, well, this is our budget. I don't say, well, raise your budget. I say, okay, well, instead of the four piece, I can give you the trio for that. Instead of three hours, I'll give you two hours and we won't take a break. Like we, there has to be some give yes. because I'm not just going to give you three hours set. Because keep in mind, I started off working 12 hours in a jail, drive 45 minutes to Lexington, play three hours and drive back 45 minutes for $100 a man. That's exceptionally interesting that you've, you go ahead. No, I'm praising. No, I'm, it's exceptionally interesting because <laughs> oh, we, yeah. haven't, we haven't talked. I was like, raise your hand. Like, yeah, no, such a teacher. A- <laughs> no, we don't, we haven't talked about that, that, that there is that opposite side for us that we can compromise and right, make. But, but I knew, but I knew at that time when I was doing that, like the guy said, who can vouch for you? So I knew I had to drive the miles. I had to do the show and come back. And then, you know, um, ironically, the place I was playing in Lexington, 
when my first album came out, Cookies and Ice Cream, I went there and I sold every CD I had. But it's because I put the work in. Like, there's no shortcuts. I think um, we've talked a lot about what the musicians do to get on stage. You, you see these memes on Facebook. You see the tip of the iceberg, and you see, like, six billion tons of iceberg under the ocean. <laughs> and people, they, there's, like, brackets to say, this is the real work we've done, and this is what you see, right? All valid. I yeah. don't love those memes, memes but I, I understand them. I think yeah. the way you just phrased that, because you, you literally said, I spent 12 hours at the jail. Now you want me to drive 45 minutes, play three hours. People don't understand that that's the case. I think so many, I don't know what they assume. It would be ridiculous right. for me to assume that I know what right. they assume. They think you at home watching, watching your programs until you got to get in your car until, and go up to old, old devil's backbone and right. put in your three hours. Right. Like um, that's, that, that is the case for a few guys who work really hard and play lots of cover tunes. That is the case for other right. folks. That's not quite the case. Nor right. would you want it to be the case. We don't get benefits for doing what we're doing. Right. So, and I tell my, my whole band this all the time. They're like, realize where you're at. Like, in the big scheme of things, at that point, I was a nobody. Mm -hmm. Like, I've always had self-worth. Obviously, my parents instilled that. But in the music world at the time, I was nobody. They didn't know me. But I went there. It was, the place was highly publicized. Yeah. Um, they had your picture up on a big billboard. All this stuff is priceless, believe it or not. And then um, you do the gig, you get some peanuts, you come back home. But if you're lucky, somebody remembers you. So I tell my guys, it doesn't matter if anybody knows your name, your name, my name, boom, boom, boom. I really don't care if they know the songs we sung. I just want them to remember they have fun. Yeah. Oh yeah, I remember that solo acoustic show? That was so much fun. Like make it less about you and more about the whole thing. I've done weddings where people in the wedding party, hey, he used to play guitar. Well, come on up. I don't want to play five hours anyway. Come on. <laughs> oh God, it's their, Lord. <laughs> it's their party. It's their party. So let them have their party and you're a support cast. Yeah. yeah. And all they're gonna remember is that band was great. The less you make it about you on stage, I think the more people enjoy you. Yeah, and they'll want you back. Like agree, they will yeah. want you back. I agree with that. I agree with that wholeheartedly. I think there is a uh, <laughs> there is a devil's advocate to play there. I'm not going to play it right now. That's for another show. <laughs> no, 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 I'm not going to because the the less you make it about, especially at the level that we're uh, that we're platforming here on the podcast, that level. It's a lot less about you than you think, my brother. I promise. I tell people, I, promise I just told is. you guys. So there is bands that are so elite and weird. We would hear, we know this and we know that. That's great. I've, I'm like proud of myself that I've stood on stage with people that did. They do have a $60,000 music education, but we jam and we have fun. Mm. I like what they did and they like what I did. So at the end of the day, who gives a shit? <laughs> so, yes. but, but that's, but that's the point that like when I'm with a musician, I don't need to know his background. He doesn't need to know. I worked at the jail 12 hours just to get there, but yeah. that we played and we had fun. You communicate. That's the, yeah, that's the difference is that it's mm -hmm. a story and it's a story that you're telling each other through a, a, a medium that mm -hmm. not everybody gets. And that's right. music. And we don't always get that, but, but we do, we do as musicians understand 
because we got, we we want to enjoy the the, the story that the other person's telling. Oh, we get it. Like like I don't I played jazz. And I know a little bit of jazz, but I'm gonna pick on Brian Mesco a little bit. <laughs> He's probably the best. Him and Cyrus Pace probably the best jazz guitarist around here that I know. Uh, Willis Green Street is really good too. Um, it's so much theory and so much wealth there, and so many hours, and you know all that stuff that I'm in awe of. And he can take a solo and like really take a solo, and I'll be just baffled. So, um, the average person may not get that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm a guitar enthusiast, so like I get it. I'm like, holy, what the, this guy's a mutant. But, <laughs> but if you take the simple bass line from sitting on the dock of the bay, people resonate with that. You hit those four notes and everybody's like, boom. But you take somebody. So the joke with jazz is that you don't pay to get into a jazz club. You pay to get out. (laughs) You get in free. I have of all all my But I love jazz. I love it. I've never heard that joke. It's a, hey, it's a thing. When I identify with it. <laughs> so I'm going to ask you one more question before we get to our buddy gauntlet. And that is, do you think, even though I know you have a, a full-time uh, job as a as a deputy, mm-hmm. um, do you think he, you can make a living as a musician here in the Roanoke Valley? It's possible. Absolutely. Um, the only thing with that, I'll say, <laughs> kind of just popped in my head how close I am to finishing. Yeah. <laughs> they owe me that. I've gone too far. They owe me a retirement. Um, yeah, I, I'm too close to the finish to not. Oh, of course. Yeah. 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 You know what I mean? I, I don't but, think Travis was asking yeah. you personally. Uh-huh. No, no, no. Okay, Your yeah. thoughts on the whole thing because I, if you don't quit. I'll, 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 I'll say this. I'll say this. Um, one uh, of, did one you of, think I was going to tell you? Because hey, you might, you might be now <laughs> and continue to do what you're doing, rock and roll style. Yeah, yeah, th- that would it could stay there because you might be putting me in one themselves. <laughs> no, like, we're no, friends, right? Yeah, we good. I'll slide your extra tray. It's like, don't tell my boss. Throw some more baloney at me. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's it's possible. There's been bands here that do very well, and um, but I will say this: they have to go outside of here. And like, not to be too religious, but like, people like rejected Jesus. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? He had to go out before they would like receive him. So almost similarly with with the band, you've got to go. Um, and we don't go too far out. We go probably about 150 miles in every direction. But you kind of got to go out to be appreciated mm. at a certain point because you can saturate the same area too much. It's like, oh, that's JoJo and them. Ah. You know what I mean? And there's a lot going on. So they're like, well, we saw them last week. If you go somewhere else where nobody else knows you, and it's also. Especially if you're playing weekly. Correct. Or three, four times a week, <laughs> you know? Well, it's strange you say that. It was four for this week. But if if you go somewhere where nobody knows you, it's almost like a, um, are you really that good? You know? Go somewhere where, where everybody has open mind. They're like, what are these four guys going to do? And if you blow them away, then, oh, okay. I'm playing my first gig away from Roanoke in August, and I'm stoked. Oh, I've hell never yeah. played out of Roanoke. And I've been here a lot, and I've grinded here. But I play a lot of different things, though, too. I do, I do mm-hmm. church. I do Broadway stuff with mm-hmm. No Mountain. I've done, I've done it all. Mm-hmm. 
but like I've never gone outside of Roanoke. So that that whole it's it's a very uh, interesting concept to hear people say leave Roanoke mm-hmm. and go. And I and I I hear that and I want to do it. I want to do it. You, you got, I've just met two guys. Um, me and Stu were doing a duo gig at Mangoes, and it was great. And he had met these two guys the night before, and we brought them up on stage. They were phenomenal. They should be signed already. Um, and what they did is ironic that I was saying, Stu, we need to drive down to New Orleans, just me and you. Open up a guitar case and just, just see what happens. And those two guys were literally doing that. They drove here from New Orleans. They did a loop. They slept in their car. They did about nine shows. And then on the way home, they stopped at Mangoes because they met my singer. We brought him up, and I was like, holy smokes. So literally next year, Stu and I are probably going to do that same thing a couple times. A couple times. Good for you. And I mean, it's just like that's another part of the grind, but there's layers. At your age, my friend. There's layers. I cannot commend you enough. (laughs) Oh, for even you. saying that right now <laughs> at, at, at your age and uh not not uh-huh. i'm not saying you're old what i'm saying is it. there's there's a point at which after so much travel you're like okay that's that there's there's right. a different direction so right. I, I hope you do because i think a lot of people hear you when you play i don't mean to hear your notes i think they hear you well there there's so i support thank, it thank thank you thank you thank you there's do play Stu, vocals? Stu's vocals okay. is his instrument, yeah, uh, and yeah, it's phenomenal. Yeah. Sometimes I'll say, I need a trumpet. And he'll be, bah, 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 bah. Man, get like out there trumpet. and represent. Yeah, but yeah. like, there's layers to this. So you can play locally, bar scene, but then you could go up. I feel like a tier. Usually you play local, you might get one or two festivals. There's other bands that go straight festival realm, and then, and then above, but... Um, I feel like if we're all being honest, most of the bands around here would like to just do festivals. I mean, you play, they have the sound system, they have the sound guy, you do an hour long set, you make the probably more than you make in a whole night at a local bar. Yes. Right. That sounds fantastic. <laughs> yeah, it does. You, um, <laughs> man, you, you've hit on so many things tonight that I can only uh, address with the term practical, a certain practicality. Um, Thank you. You know, you know, Jerome Clater had such a no nonsense approach. I actually wanted a little more out of Jerome. Yeah. <laughs> then when I went back and listened, I was like, "No, we got exactly what we needed out of Jerome." <laughs> um, there's a certain level of practicality that comes with you know, if you're playing music and you're happy and you're making some money. That's that. Right. If and you want to be bigger, to be known, you better write some damn songs. Better get on the grind. If you right. want more money, you better learn some more songs to get on the grind. Correct. Um, you've, you've done a really exceptional job of just presenting your side of it from a very playful, childlike stance, and I can't appreciate it more. Thank you. Really. Yeah. And you play guitar really, like you play. I want to hear. I don't get to play as much as I used to. He keeps reaching my, over at that damn. I keep thinking. I keep thinking he's gonna no, be the it's first guest that just starts playing. I thought Jody was gonna be that guy because yeah, Jody loves playing as well. Oh, Jody Enzer. Uh, he just loves playing. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of yeah, people yeah. that just love playing so much. They're like, we're going to get $75 a night. You're like, well, it's only two miles from the house. I'll go play. Ask, ask <laughs> me if I put that there on purpose. <laughs> did you put that there on purpose? I did, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Buddy Gauntlet. <laughs> All right. These are three questions that Jeremy's going to give you. 
that were not scripted. You only before. get one, damn it. Yeah, you understand one, one, one answer for this. Everybody be weaseling in the greasing. One, in these one answer answers. for all three questions. No, yeah. just for, well. Yes. 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 <laughs> Holy sh- Who's your top musical influence? Holy sh! Is he dead or alive? That's that's who that's is, is your, your top? top musical influence? You don't like right ch- now. You don't get to choose who <laughs> is your. There are no variables to this situation. Musical answer the damn question. My dad, Alvin Stockton. Oh, Rest in peace. Man. Uh, That's a fact. Love it. Who's your top non-musical influence? Non-musical. Oh, wow. That's the clip. Well, that's a that's a good question. That's a great question. Let's go sell cheesy. Do it. Spread some good on it. <laughs> Denzel Washington. Why is that cheesy? He's just so wise. Oh, he's like, incredible. He's like, incredible. Yeah, yeah, he's so wise. I mean, I can't even start. This is the last question. And before I ask it, I want to thank you for coming on, spending your time here, representing Roanoke the way that you do. Thank you. Thank um, you all so much. You make me so want to represent you, our town yeah. even better. <laughs> no, you really do. I want to go out and grind, and now I want to write music with my new band. So thank you. <laughs> That's what it was, because you were talking yeah. about you, th- there's there's a certain gravity to getting out, proving yourself, and then coming back. And the folks that already live here are like, oh, maybe he was pretty good. There's a certain, you were meant you were in that realm. It really it hit me in such a way that it actually put pause on the brain. Um, that's for another podcast. Mm. Here's your last question: Who's your favorite Beats, Bruce, and Buddies host? Oh, man, I like them all. I like both everybody. You only get one. <laughs> <laughs> both. I like me. Yeah, he's over there. He's been. So it's AJ? It's awesome. AJ. He's okay. been awesome. Okay. AJ, okay. All right. AJ Garrett for the win. AJ Garrett for the win. <laughs> I quit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> JoJo, thanks for coming, man. How we Thank y'all for having me. Why are you going to put them fairy bells? I don't know. Hey. <laughs> Uh, big thanks to AJ for producing for us. For he's been here with last three times. So yeah, man, he's a part of the crew. Yeah, now. His dialogue was amazing. <laughs> he was <laughs> the claps and the the, the grunts. <laughs> AJ Garrett on the claps and grunts. All right, do me a favor and set up this uh, in the R two D's nuts too. <laughs> set, up, set up this song for me, buddy. JoJo. Oh is this wow! Original? This is an original called True Vine, which is where my dad grew up, is where he took me to the nip joints. And there's a lot of good people in True Vine, so I wrote this just for them. It's about how a country boy came to the city but didn't lose his ways. I didn't mean to patch that button. I'm so sorry. So say that one more time because that was awful. It said crickets while you're, while you're trying to set up your song. He's never pressed that bird never, button before. This is basically just me. I just I grew up in Franklin County. I'm a country boy, true and true. But I moved to the city and I didn't lose my country ways. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Beats, Brews, and Buddies. Uh, please join us at Brady's Distillery on uh, July 23rd, Sunday. We're going to invite all of our previous guests, our future guests. We're going to do a big communal event there. We're calling it a Beats, Brews, and Buddies Barbecue. Please join us. Uh, watch Facebook for times. Was that the announcement? It is the announcement. because Beats, this Brews, is- and Buddies Barbecue. Come out, y'all, especially if you've been on the show or you want to be on the show. 
Let's drink beer. Let's eat yes. food. This is the episode before we do it. So, and we'll we'll do a, a really cool highlight video um, after that. And uh, really appreciate you guys, uh, Jojo. Thank you. Yes, thank you, man. Jojo Stockton. And thanks for saying that. <laughs> this goes out to the good people of True Vine. Tobacco fields, corn crops. I snap some beans. I picked some squash. I grew up over yonder, just beyond the pines. I moved to the city one day, but still had me some country ways. Used to go down to Buddy's, they drinking booze. Dice games in the back, my pops in the front playing blues. Outside they pitching horseshoes, but you ain't gonna win if your last name wasn't Muse. Moved to the city one day, but I still had me some country ways. I'm country than chicken coops, y'all. I'm country than hog jaws. My granddaddy wore flannel shirts and blue jean bib coveralls. He, he grew up over yonder. Just beyond the pines uh-huh. I moved to the city one day But I still had me some country ways hey, Coops, y'all, I'm country than hog jaws. My granddaddy wore flannel shirts and blue jean bib coveralls. He, he grew up over yonder, just beyond the pines. I moved to the city one day, but I still had me some country ways.